Good morning. Scott Luton here with you on this edition of This Week in Business History. Welcome to today's show. On this program, which is part of the Supply Chain Now family of programming, we take a look back at the upcoming week, and then we share some of the most relevant events and milestones from years past. Of course, mostly business-focused, with a little dab of global supply chain, and occasionally, we might just throw in a good story outside of our primary realm. So I invite you to join me on this look back in history to identify some of the most significant leaders, companies, innovations, and perhaps lessons learned in our collective business journey. Now, let's dive in to this week in business history. Hello, and thanks for joining us. I'm Kelly Barner, owner of Buyer's Meeting Point, and the host of Dial P for Procurement here on Supply Chain Now. In this week's show, we'll be remembering business history stories, innovations, inventions, and firsts that took place over the years between August 30th and September 3rd. Business history is a fascinating subject because we get to study the unexpected journeys people took to get from concept to saleable product. Sometimes they were fixated on a problem or goal and worked tirelessly or even obsessively until they achieved it. In other cases, they were the beneficiaries of serendipity, discovering something new or valuable that they weren't even looking for. In either case, there is a journey to be taken, from idea to solution to scale, hopefully arriving at some form of success. The business history story I'd like to focus on this week marks a very exciting holiday that I'm sure everyone is celebrating this August 30th. I'm sure you're all ready with decorations in place, gifts all prepared, of course the right foods, and naturally a party outfit. Oh no, don't tell me you forgot. Okay. I'm kidding, you didn't forget. This is one of those holidays that no one celebrates. August 30th is National Slinky Day. First and foremost, happy Slinky Day from my family to yours. The Slinky is one of those toys that nearly everyone had, and they're still popular today. The Slinky is a Toy Hall of Fame member and has appeared on its own postage stamp. Well over 300 million Slinkies have been sold since 1945. It also holds the distinction of having the longest running jingle in advertising history. I'll do you the favor of not singing it for you, but the words are, it's Slinky, it's Slinky. For fun, it's a wonderful toy. What walks downstairs alone or in pairs and makes a Slinkity sound? A spring, a spring, a marvelous thing. Everyone knows it's slinky. It's slinky, it's slinky. For fun, it's a wonderful toy. It's fun for a girl and a boy. Dr. Seuss himself could not have done a better job. We all know slinky, clearly. But what you may not know is the slinky story. In 1943, American naval mechanical engineer and graduate of Pennsylvania State University, Richard James was working at a shipyard in Philadelphia. 
He was experimenting with springs, looking for a design that could stabilize sensitive instruments that needed to operate at sea, often in very rough conditions. He accidentally bumped one of the springs and knocked it off a shelf. And that spring did what slinkies do. The spring walked from a stack of books to a tabletop and then to the floor, where it stacked itself neatly back into its original form. James went back to work, but he didn't stop thinking about what he had seen. He spent the next year experimenting with different types and thicknesses of steel wire, allowing neighborhood children to play with it as tests along the way. It was his wife, Betty, who named the toy Slinky because she thought its form and sound were sleek and graceful, just like it said in the dictionary. Betty would end up being very important to the Slinky story, well beyond its name. In the early 1940s, however, they were just trying to get started. The James got a $500 loan and founded James Spring and Wire Company. A local machine shop made 400 units for them. Each slinky was two and a half inches tall and made up of 98 coils of high-grade Swedish steel. Despite the fact that they were priced to move at $1 a piece, the couple struggled to get their toy into stores. Then, in 1945, everything changed. They got permission to set up a demo station in Gimbel's department store, complete with a ramp. Every single available slinky was sold within 90 minutes. And the next year, the toy was introduced at the American Toy Fair. Now here's where the story gets a little bit weird. While our old friend Slinky has been constant for nearly 80 years, its accidental inventor's life took a surprising turn. Despite the addition of Slinky Dog, Slinky Glasses, and Susie the Slinky Worm to the product line, by the early 1960s, the company was starting to struggle. Sales were falling off and debt was mounting, never a good combination. Richard James made the shocking announcement that he was going to Bolivia to join an evangelical group and he left them all behind. He walked away from the business, his wife, his six children between the ages of 12 and 18, and the slinky. He died in South America in 1974. Inventors, am I right? Now this is where Richard's wife, Betty James, becomes the main character in our story. Left nearly bankrupt with a company on the verge of collapse, she did the only thing a parent of six children can do. She decided to fight for their future. Doubling down on her dedication to the slinky and forging a path for female CEOs at the same time. In 1963, she mortgaged her house to advertise the Slinky at the New York Toy Fair. She was a pioneering believer in national advertising and commissioned the Slinky Jingle, which, as I've already mentioned, is the longest-running jingle in advertising history. In 1998, Betty sold the company to Poof Products, Inc., one of her deeply held principles was that inexpensive toys should be available to children and she fought to keep the price of Slinkies low, only accepting increases over the original $1 price point in order to accommodate the rising price of steel. Over time, there were a couple of other changes. The steel was galvanized to prevent rust, and the ends were crimped to make the toy safer. Prime placement in the Toy Story movie series gave Slinky Dog a second chance at popularity. 
In fact, Disney gave the Poof Slinky Company a heads up about the character's inclusion in their movie in time for the company to increase production to meet Christmas demand. Betty James passed away in 2008, but the Slinky lives on and not just as a toy. During the Vietnam War, soldiers used Slinkies as portable radio antennas. They were used to demonstrate the effects of zero gravity aboard the Discovery Space Shuttle. Slinkies have even been written into musical arrangements for their unique sound. One last note on their multifunctional applications for my This Week in Business History co-host, Scott Luton. Apparently, Slinkies are an excellent squirrel deterrent on bird feeders if you mount them on the pole of the bird feeder. Slinkies may have started as a naval accident, but they became so much more. A cereal company study in the 1980s found that 90% of the American population knew what they were. As the jingle goes, everyone knows it's Slinky. Happy National Slinky Day, everyone. Some other notable business history dates that fall this week include, on August 30th, 1838, the first African-American magazine, Mirror of Freedom, began publication in New York City. It was launched by abolitionist and Underground Railroad conductor David Ruggles, who helped over 600 slaves make their way to freedom during the 1830s. That number happens to include one Frederick Douglass, who would not only remain a friend of Ruggles, but would go on to become one of the preeminent voices of the abolitionist movement. Ruggles is also credited with opening the first African-American-owned bookstore in the United States. On September 2, 1969, the first automatic teller machine, or ATM, to use magnetic striped cards opened to the public at Chemical Bank in New York. Called a docu-teller, it was developed by Donald C. Wetzel. But Wetzel didn't work at the bank. No, he worked for DocuTel, a Dallas, Texas-based company that made automated baggage handling equipment. More importantly, perhaps, Wetzel didn't like waiting in lines. That's where he was when he came up with the idea for the ATM. Now, the original ATM only dispensed cash, but it was so popular that two years later, an updated version was released that could handle multiple functions, including providing customers account balances. On September 3rd, 1995, eBay was founded in San Jose, California, by Iranian-American businessman Pierre Omidar under the name AuctionWeb. It was the first online auction site allowing person-to-person -person transactions. He wanted to name the company Echo Bay after Echo Bay Technology Group, his consulting firm. But the domain name EchoBay.com was already taken by a mining company, so he had to come up with another idea, eventually landing on eBay.com. One of the very first items sold on eBay was a broken laser pointer. It sold for just under $15. Omidyar wanted to make sure his customers were happy, and so he contacted the buyer to make sure he knew what he had bought. There was no need for worry, however, as the buyer turned out to be a collector of broken laser pointers. eBay would go on to become one of the greatest success stories of the dot-com era, it is now a multi-billion dollar business with operations in over 30 countries. 
And we can't wrap this episode without celebrating a few birthdays. Albert Goodwill Spaulding, born on September 2nd, 1850, was an American pitcher, manager, and executive in the early years of professional baseball. He was the co-founder of A.G. Spaulding Sporting Goods Company, partially based on the trend he started by wearing a baseball glove. He also managed to find time to write the first set of official baseball rules. William Thomas Dillard, the founder of the Dillard's Department Stores chain, was born on September 2, 1914. Today, the upscale chain has over 280 stores in 29 states. And last but not least, on September 3, 1875, Ferdinand Porsche, designer of the Volkswagen and the Porsche, was born. Talk about two different vehicle designs. He had a complicated life, with his professional journey being intertwined with the Second World War and funded in part by Nazi contracts. He has nonetheless been widely recognized as a pioneer of automobile design. Porsche was inducted into the International Motorsports Hall of Fame in 1996 and was named the Car Engineer of the Century in 1999. Well, that wraps up this edition of This Week in Business History. Thank you so much for tuning into the show each week. Don't forget to check out the wide variety of industry thought leadership available at supplychainnow.com. As a friendly reminder, you can find This Week in Business History wherever you get your podcast from, and be sure to tell us what you think. We would love to earn your review, and we encourage you to subscribe so that you never miss an episode. On behalf of the entire team here at This Week in Business History and Supply Chain Now, this is Kelly Barner wishing you all nothing but the best. On that note, we'll see you here next time on This Week in Business History.